Hey everyone, welcome to the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model Podcast. This is going to be a mishmash of audio content, LinkedIn content, guest podcasts, interviews, debates, and live Q&A. We'll primarily discuss six topics that reflect the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. One, sales development versus marketing. Two, the sales assembly line or the AE-CSM split in other subdivisions versus full sales or full sales cycle sales, aka AE-CSM combined, no handoffs, no prospecting. Three, quota versus holistic goals and metrics. Four, commission versus full salary plus bonus. Five, sales versus the option of self-service to the extent desired and possible. Six, the predictable revenue model versus the buyer-centric revenue model. If you haven't already, I highly demand that you sign up for the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model community to continue the discussion and help implement the model. Join the movement of forward-thinking peers liberating and modernizing B2B marketing and sales. Achieve a better growth playbook, a competitive advantage, and more productive and fulfilling careers. Enjoy insights, data, best practices, resources, and jobs. Plus, the live Q&A on Thursdays at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Head over to buyercentricrevenue.com to sign up. If you want to learn more about the model and these topics, check out my book, The Death of the SDR and the Birth of the Buyer-Centric Revenue Model. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audiobook. And now to this episode. So in today's episode, I want to talk about what the predictable revenue model is and why it's bad and why I challenge it and propose the buyer-centric revenue model as an alternative. So the predictable revenue model is the trendy B2B marketing and sales model codified and popularized by Aaron Ross in his 2011 book, Predictable Revenue. And it is based on his time at Salesforce 10 years prior in the early 2000s and is based on aspects of what Salesforce did as part of their broader marketing and sales strategies and tactics. And for marketing, it calls for specializing prospecting, which as we've talked about before is is a type of marketing activity, not a sales activity, but specializing that to be done full-time by sales development instead of part-time by sales in addition to their actual sales job and of selling. For sales, it calls for an assembly line of partial sellers and buyer handoffs. So the buyer goes through one seller and then another seller and another seller. And you've got you know these limited sellers with limited expertise, efficacy, and job satisfaction um, and limited accountability, right? They're not accountable to, to their promises. They just their job, especially the AEs, let's say, is to pressure sell the, the buyer for the initial sale and then chuck them over the fence to the CSM and let the CSM worry about things like the customer success. Um, and yeah, and so that's the predictable revenue model in a nutshell. And most B2B companies adopt this model of sales development and the sales assembly line to some extent. Um and so this model that was created in the early 2000s is still the playbook for most B2B companies and it's 2022 and it has not really changed. And like people are talking a little bit about like how it needs to evolve, 
but like, no, it fundamentally needs to be scrapped because it's unnecessary and does more harm than good. Um, and, and we've talked a little bit about that, especially with prospecting sales development. I'll cover the sales assembly line in another video. Um, but the reason I give the, the buyer, I mean, the predictive revenue model such a hard time is because B2B companies sort of adopt this model kind of blindly. And they say, oh, well, you know, it was good enough for sales or Salesforce in the early 2000s. Surely it's good enough for me. Uh, and the answer is no, it's not. Like it's not the early 2000s. You're not Salesforce. And it was only some of what Salesforce did as part, part of their broader marketing and sales shtick. And it's debatable back then to what extent it did more good than harm relative to all the possibilities um, within their means and ability. And so the first assumption, I would say, or the first flawed assumption of the predictable revenue model is that prospecting is necessary and does more good than harm relative to marketing, which, yeah, I argue is not the case. The second flawed assumption is that sales should be specialized among an assembly line of sellers or that, or, or rather it's that specialization is always good. Um, which isn't the case because what if you're, what if what it is that you're specializing shouldn't be done at all, which is prospecting, like scrap prospecting, do proper modern marketing. Um, or what if what you're specializing needs to be done, but should not be specialized like the sales role. Um, and so those are the two fundamental flawed assumptions, um, which I expose and challenge in my book. Um, and why I recommend you scrap sales development or you sunset, you sunset them gradually and you just do, you go all in on marketing, doing proper non-spend marketing to generate and qualify leads for sales. And you've got full sales cycle sales, which for me is AE CSM combined, no handoffs, no prospecting. Um, and so, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies will run this playbook and they have no idea that this is the predictor that like they've never heard of Aaron Ross. So they never heard of the predictor revenue model or that, or they haven't, they heard, they have heard of it and they haven't connected the dots. It's just, Hey, they're doing it. So therefore we should do it. It's just like the herd, the, the sheep following the sheep. Um, and Hey, I get it. Like you need, you need to have a model. You need to have a playbook. Um, but you need to have one that's built for today, not 20 years ago. Um, and the predict the predictable revenue model is the root source of the problems that we're having today of the straight jacket that marketers and sellers and companies are in. Um, you know, it, it preserves fuels, codifies and popularize sales development and the sales assembly line. It gives it the semblance of necessity, necessity and respectability. You know, it took a model in a book, predictable revenue to kind of get us into the situation. I think it will take a book and a new model to kind of get us out. Um, and I think that's without that, because we haven't had that, we haven't really been able to make significant or meaningful progress, um, and modernization and liber liberation. Um, and so, so yeah, so I, I think the predictive revenue model is, you know, the, the cause of misalignment between marketing and sales, like you've got sales development generating crummy leads and turning off a lot of buyers. And so they're pushing a lot of junk through to sales and sales misses their revenue quota most of the time. Um, and 
you know, wasting a lot of time with buyers who are premature and non-sales ready. So you've got longer sales cycles and lower win rates, higher cost per acquisition and a bloated sales org triaging all these bad leads. Um, and, you know, you've got marketing upset with sales development because marketing is preempted, hand, handcuffed, counteracted and crowded out by sales development. They're like most marketing resources or significant marketing resources get wasted on sales development. Um, and marketing has to do all these things to support sales development, like gated content in order to generate MQLs, which is just contact information of uninterested buyers. Um, lead intent or lead scoring, which is just like prioritizing which uninterested buyers sales development should spam or manual demo request and qualification. Um, and so, yeah. Um, and then sales, yeah, sales is obviously gets harmed by this marketing gets harmed by this. And then you've got like revenue operations because someone has to manage all this. And look, look at the explosion of revenue operations over the, over the recent years, because someone has to manage all the complexity and organizational bloat, like who's going to manage our messy CRM and with all the complicated lead routing and all this type of stuff. Um, you know, so who's going to be behind the scenes to sort of figure out this mess. Um, and so in fact, like one of the beneficiaries of the predictive revenue model, and in fact, that's what I'll cover in my next video is qui bono or who benefits from sort of the predictive revenue model or from prospecting. Um, but one of the key beneficiaries is Salesforce because now you have all this unnecessary um, and complex manual labor. You know, you got more CRM users and more CRM administrators to clean up the mess. So yeah, you're going to spend more money on Salesforce. Aaron Ross was a leader at Salesforce. Is it a coincidence? No. Um, and so, so yeah. And so, oh, and then obviously, I mean, it's the buyer-centric revenue model. The buyers have a lousy buying experience because of the predictive revenue model. Buyers do not like sales development and they do not like the sales assembly line. It's anti-buyer. Um, that is not their, their ideal marketing and sales experience. So they, they buy less. They, they buy slower. They don't buy as much and they don't buy at all. Um, and so a company that can give buyers the better buying experience has a significant competitive advantage, even if they have inferior pricing and inferior product. So adopt the lovely jubbly buyer centric revenue model, toss the predictable revenue model out and you'll have a huge competitive advantage attracting top talent and buyers alike marketers who want to be liberated sales development folks who want to be liberated sales folks who want to be liberated operations folks who want to be liberated. Um, and so, yeah. Um, in the next episode, we'll cover the, the beneficiaries of prospecting. Um, because I think, you know, it's not just Salesforce, obviously, there's a few other folks. And these are the people who are cashing in on the plight nowadays of sales development of, of this whole situation here. And I think they should be exposed. Um, and also that you're aware of them and that you can defend against them. Um, you know, these, these influencers and whatnot. Um, and, and then in a separate episode, maybe I'll cover the reasons why people are still pro prospecting. So it's not the beneficiaries of prospecting, but the reasons people are pro prospecting. Um, 
And of the two problems of, of predictable revenue of prospecting slash sales development and the sales assembly line, I think that prospecting sales development is the bigger issue and problem um, because marketing is responsible for most of the buyer's journey. Nowadays, companies should be marketing led and sales development is a marketing activity and it's harming marketing. Thanks guys. Hope you enjoyed this one and I'll catch you in the next one.